And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Depending on what network you watch, when you turn on the news, you will see looting and rioting in the streets. You will see national monuments defaced and torn down. You will see autonomous zones barricaded, guarded by armed guards in the middle of the cities. And you will see our police officers taunted and cursed at and, and vilified. And what's amazing is we're not talking about something that's happening in a third world country with a despot or dictator. We're talking about things that are happening right here in the United States. Now, you may call me an alarmist, but I believe our nation is standing on the edge of a cliff looking down. And if we're not careful, we're going to fall off that cliff. And I'm afraid if we do, we will not survive. Now, I'm not talking about a political party. I'm not talking about a certain politician. Because I believe we can have radically different views on social issues and on fiscal policies and yet survive. But we will not survive chaos. We will not survive anarchy. And that's where we're headed if we're not careful. Now, some of you will say, Rocky, We've been here before, and I'm a student of history. And so I know that we had rioting during the civil rights and during the Vietnam War. I know that. I know that our country has gone through things like this before. And I understand as a nation, we've always been divided politically. And I understand that we are a nation that really enjoys our right to free speech and our right to protest. But I just feel like something is different Today, I'm not sure the division has ever been as wide as it is today. And I don't believe that, that our attitudes have ever been as toxic as they are today. In 2008, we elected a president that, that I did not vote for. Now, the reason I did not vote for him had nothing to do with the color of his skin. It had nothing to do with the, the political party that he was Involved with, he was a part of. It had everything to do with, I was opposed radically to some of his views and some of his policies. But when he was elected, he became my president. I began to pray for him, I supported him, and as best I can remember, I never said anything on social media or this platform that is derogatory about him. Or his family. And yet, during that time, there were many Christians who posted things and said things that 
to be honest with you, are embarrassing to me as a follower of Jesus. In 2016, we had another election. And the person that I voted for in the primaries didn't win. When it came to voting for a president, I prayed and I voted for the person that I believe could win and could best represent my, my beliefs and my values. And that person was, was Donald Trump. And he won. And when he won, he became my president. And just like I did with, with President Obama, I prayed for him. I supported him. And I sought to say nothing bad about him. Now, understand, I disagree with the lifestyle he used to live. Even today, I am embarrassed and I am shocked by some of the things that he says. But he is my president. And so I don't go on social media trying to destroy him. I don't go on social media saying the things that I disagree with. I voted for one. I didn't vote for the other. But I have supported both of them. But it seems like many people in America today have a different mindset. I heard an interview on a news channel several days ago that the person said this. They said, if this country does not give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. And then they said this, I could be speaking figuratively, I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Now understand, throughout the history of our country, there have been times that we have had laws that have been enacted, we have done things, we have elected people that were wrong, that we shouldn't have done. But we have made it thus far. And there will be times in our future that there are going to be laws that are enacted, there are going to be things that are done, there are going to be people who are elected that we don't agree with, that we don't like. So what are we as Christians to do when that happens? And does the Bible, the Word of God, have a word for us on how we are supposed to be citizens in our country. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 13 this morning. If you're new, we're in this series that we've called Transformers. It began in Romans chapter 12, and it goes through the end of the book of Romans. We call it Transformers because in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul tells us to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, I believe with all my heart, the Bible teaches that when the Holy Spirit comes to live in our life and rule and reign in our hearts, we are transformed, we are changed. But once we are changed, God calls us to go out into the world and transform the world. And part of the world in which we live is the nation to which we belong. It's the state in which we live. And so how are we as Christians to live in a nation, in a state, when sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go? Well, I want you to listen to what Paul says beginning in verse 1. He says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished 
For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Now let me remind you of several things as we dig into this passage. First of all, this period of time was known as something called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Rome was ruling much of the known world, and they ruled the world with an iron fist. But Rome was a pagan, immoral, cruel nation. But there were some advantages of living in Rome. Like I said earlier, there was universal peace. You could live in safety. There were roads that literally connected most of the known world that was built by Rome. Economically, most of the people were well off. And so there were some good things about living in Rome. But unless you were a Roman citizen, which most people weren't, liberty was limited, justice was swift, and most often justice wasn't necessarily just. And the people that Paul was writing to, for the most part, were not citizens. They were Jews and Gentiles. They were free people and slave people. And they all had one thing in common. They did not like the Romans. But even though they were being ruled by people they did not like, people that had values they disagreed with, people that they had a hard time supporting and they had no voice, God told them to do some things as Christians in regard to the government. And I want you to hear me. If God told people who had no voice to do certain things, then certainly he would expect you and I who have a voice to do those same things. And so Paul tells two things that we as Christians are to do as we live in a country. The first thing he says is that we are to support our government authorities. Paul begins in verse 1 by saying that everyone must submit to government authorities. And then in verse 5 he says, you must submit to them. Later on he tells Titus, remind the believers to submit to the, governor, the government and its officers. And the apostle Peter said this, he said, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. I want you to listen. You cannot, you cannot read the New Testament without realizing that God not only expects, God commands that we submit to those who are in authority. Now, why does God command that? Why does God tell us that we are to submit ourselves to the governing authorities? Well, in verse 1, he says, all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Did you get that? All authority comes from God. All authority has been placed there by God. 
And then he says in verse 4, authorities are God's servant. Now, what does that mean? Well, I've got to be honest with you. I've tried and tried and tried to make it mean something other than what it says. But you can't just, you can't do that. It means what it says. It means that God has placed everyone who rules or who leads in their position of authority. This is true in democracies. This is true in dictatorships. This is true in capitalist countries. This is true in communist countries. Every person, every person in authority has been put there or at the very least has allowed to be there by God. We cannot believe that God is sovereign over the affairs of man without believing that. We cannot believe that God's word is the true word of God without believing that. Now, you may say, Rocky, what about evil, wicked rulers who have ruled throughout history? What about some of the evil, wicked rulers who are ruling today? Some of them have been responsible for millions and millions of deaths. What about them? Well, I've got to be honest with you. I don't understand everything. And I don't have an answer for everything. But this is what I know. God is in control. And you cannot believe the Bible without believing that. John Phillips said it this way. He said, governments may be weak or strong, just or oppressive, benevolent or cruel, wise or foolish. But in each case, God has his way and moves his plans forward. Democracies and dictatorships alike are under his control. Nations come and go. Kingdoms rise and fall. Empires wax and wane. But behind them all is God overruling in the affairs of man. From our viewpoint, the strands may seem tangled, meaningless, hopelessly knotted, unequal and wrong. But the tapestry he is weaving is perfect. And all the pressures of satanic force and human sin are gloriously overruled by a God who is both omnipotent and omniscient. I want you to listen. Sometimes God puts people in a position of power to bless us. There are other times that God may put a person in a position of power to curse us. Wicked people can be elected to power. They can seize power. They may want to do away with God. They may want to build a society without God. But the very fact that they are in power means that God has a purpose to fulfill through them even in their wickedness. Now, as Americans, we are blessed. We live in a democratic republic. What that means is that we have the privilege of taking part in government. We have the opportunity to express our opinions. We have the right to vote people into office. We have the right to vote people out of office. And I don't believe that's just a, a privilege we have. I think that is a responsibility we have as Christians. But what we need to understand is this. Once the voting is done, regardless of whether our person wins or not, we are to submit to our leaders. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus submitted to the laws of his land. He submitted to the leaders of his land, even though it caused him to be put to death. 
Jesus told Pilate in John 19, you would have no power over me unless it were given to you from above. Did you get that? Jesus said, Pilate, the only reason you're on this throne is because my father put you there. Tradition tells us that Paul was put to death by Nero. And yet he still said, submit to the governing authorities. You see, Paul recognized that all authority, good or bad, is given by God. God may not approve of every form of government, and God may not and probably certainly does not approve of every person in authority, but he uses them. God used Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to bring judgment to Judah. God used Artaxerxes of Persia to help rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And God used Cyrus to help build his temple in Jerusalem. God called Nebuchadnezzar, this evil, wicked king, my servant. He called Cyrus, this evil, wicked king, my anointed. Don't tell me that God isn't in control of human history. God uses all leaders. He uses the good ones, he uses the bad ones to accomplish his eternal purposes. So what are we to do? What are we to do when those in authority violate God's word? And what are we to do when they encourage us or command us to violate God's word? Well, we do like those Hebrew midwives did when they refused to put to death those little Hebrew baby boys. We do like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did when they refused to bow their knee to that golden image and they were thrown into that fiery furnace. We do like Daniel did when the king said, no one can pray to any God except me, and yet Daniel continued to pray, and he was thrown into the, to, to the lion's den. And we do like Peter and the other apostles when they were before the Sanhedrin, and they said, we must obey God rather than man. You see, when God's word conflicts with the laws of the land, when God's word conflicts with what our leaders tell us to do, we must follow God. But other than that, we are to submit to our authorities. Now, why did God establish these authorities? Now, listen to what it says in verse 4. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Now, Paul tells us in this verse that there is a threefold purpose to government, to government authorities. First of all, government is to protect the community. Second, government is to punish the criminal. And then third, government is to provide for the common good. That's what government is to do. Protect the community, punish the criminal, and provide for the common good. Now, the reason that this is needed is because we live in a fallen, sinful world. And without government authority, without laws, we would live in chaos. There would be anarchy. If you don't believe that, read the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, we see a, a people that, that had removed God as their authority, and they had no king ruling over them. 
And by the end of the book of Judges, it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone made up their own laws. And so if I want your wife, I can take your wife. If I want your house, I can take your house. If I want your life, I can take your life. Because I can do what is right in my eyes. You see, when we don't have laws, when we don't have authority, that's what happens. And so the Bible says here in verse 4, if you're doing what is wrong, they, the authorities, have the power to punish you. Now, literally, this says that if you're doing evil, wicked, or, or harmful things, the Greek word is kakos, bad, wicked things, then the authorities bear the sword to bring wrath upon you. In other words, God has given the government the authority to punish the evildoer. That's why we have law enforcement. That's why we have court systems. That's why we have jails. That's why we have, we have sentences and we have, we have um, um, uh, punishment that is given for certain crimes. Because without those things, anarchy and chaos would rule. You see, when the state, the nation, uses the sword to protect human life, the Bible says they are inflicting God's wrath, God's judgment on the evildoer. In the same way, when the government fails to protect its citizens by holding the sword, they are failing the citizens and they are failing at their job. Now I want you to listen to me for just a moment. Because we are in a polarized time in our nation. And I want to tell you, we need justice reform. We need justice reform. That's apparent. When a police officer puts his knee on the back of a man and suffocates him to death in broad daylight and thinking that it's okay, we need justice reform. But understand, that, that's in the minority that's not what often happens. But if it can happen at all, we need reform. We need equal justice for all. Here's what I know. If I have the money to hire a good lawyer, I'm more likely to get off on a crime than someone who has to use the public defender. That's just a fact. That's the way it goes. And so we need equal justice for all. But we do need justice. And so government is to protect the citizens, the community, and punish the criminal. But the Bible also says here that, that the government is to provide for the common good, for the good of the people. By the way, did you know that's what it says in our Constitution? Now, l let me just say, we're not a perfect nation. And we have, we have, some, we have a checkered past. I mean, every nation does. I mean, there are things in our past that we shouldn't be proud of, we should be ashamed of. But if we make them right, we move on from those things. But I want you to know that the framers of the Constitution, our founders, their desire was to build a nation that was based on the Word of God. I want you to listen to what it says in the preamble of the Constitution. It says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. That's what our Constitution 
says. It's, it's almost straight from the Bible. And so what are we supposed to do? We are to submit to the authorities unless the authorities are telling us to do something that is in direct contradiction to the Word of God. But we not only submit to the authorities, we also support the authorities. And Paul says we do that in three ways. First of all, we pay our taxes. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you in here enjoy paying your taxes? Enjoy it? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, I'm considered self-employed for tax purposes, and so every quarter I have to write a check, and I got to tell you, I don't enjoy it. Now, if you're here and you say, I believe we should pay more taxes, then let's meet after church, and I will let you pay some of my taxes. Okay, and then we'll both be happy. You can pay more taxes, I can pay less taxes, and we'll be happy. But here's what I know. We are commanded by God to pay the taxes that we owe. I would encourage you to, to get you a, an accountant and use every single legal way you can to get your taxes down. And if you can get your taxes down to zero, praise Jesus for it. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But if you owe taxes, pay them. That's one of the ways that you support the government. That's one of the ways that you help protect the citizens. You punish the criminal, and you provide for the common good. But there's a second thing that we're called to do, and that is honor our leaders. We're to respect them. It, it just, I, I got to tell you, it breaks my heart. The things that I've seen our law enforcement officers go through over the last several weeks. I'm sure you've saw some of them too if you've watched the news where you have police officers standing there and there are people spitting on them, cursing them, calling them names, throwing bottles at them. It's, it's crazy. And we do that to our politicians. I want you to look at me. You heard me say in 2006 and 2012, I didn't vote for President Obama. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. I disagree with him on policies. But I supported him. I respected him as my leader. There may be some of you in this room right now who call yourself a Christian. And I'm not questioning whether you're a believer or not. But you posted some terrible things on social media. You said some things that no Christian should say about someone else. You disrespected our president. And you sinned against Almighty God. And you need to ask God to forgive you. And there are other people today that when President Trump was elected, I mean, they started hashtagging immediately, not my president. And there was a movement, I mean, the day he was elected, to remove him from office. And he, he's been attacked ever since. I mean, you, you may not like him, but you've got to acknowledge he's been attacked. And, and there are some of my Christian brothers and sisters who were never Trumpers. And i got to tell you, they have posted things on social media that they need to repent of. And they need to ask God to forgive them for. Because we are called as Christians to honor and respect our leaders. And if you're not doing that, then at the very least, you are not living a Christ-like life. Third thing we're called to do, it's not found in this passage, it's found in 1 Timothy 2, and that is we're to pray 
for our leaders. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. The Bible says we're to pray for our leaders. Some of you say, well, I pray for them. I pray that God would take them out. I mean, I've heard some of you say it. That's not what the Bible is teaching here. The Bible says that we're called to give thanks for them. The Bible says that we are to honor and respect them, pray that God would give them wisdom. If we don't think they know Jesus, we should be praying that the Holy Spirit of God will convict them and draw him to himself so that they can be radically and supernaturally saved because everything will get better if they are. You see, we're commanded to pray, not post. Pray. What would happen if we do that? I got to tell you, we're, you know this, we're in an election year. And we're at crunch time. And I'm just going to tell you, it's going to get ugly. You say it already is. It's going to get uglier. It is. Both parties are going to say things and do things that are going to break the heart of God. But we who follow Jesus, we're called to rise above it. Amen. We're not. Amen. Are you more committed to a party than you are to the Lord Jesus Christ? I want you to hear me. My hope isn't found in who's in the White House. My hope is found in who's seated on the throne. And it doesn't matter who is in the White House if I know who's on the throne because I know he's in control of my life and the affairs of man. And so we better wake up. And we better rise above because if our nation has any hope whatsoever, our only hope is for a revival that begins right here. And if we can experience a revival that begins here, maybe, just maybe, something can happen in our nation. But apart from that, we're teetering on the edge. Call me an alarmist. Call me whatever you want. But nations have risen. Nations have fallen throughout human history. And as long as human history survives, more nations will do the same. And if you think we're above that, think again. Think again. So what do we do? We submit, apart from government telling us to do something that's opposed to God's word. And we support by paying our taxes, by honoring our leaders, and by praying for them. And by the way, by rising above the way everyone else lives. That's how we transform. Would you bow your head? With your head bowed? With your eyes closed, I want to ask you to do two things this morning. First of all, I want to ask you to take a moment and just pray. 
and ask God to forgive you if you have posted or said or did things that were not Christ-like in regard to political parties. And ask God to give you the power through his Holy Spirit to honor him by the way you act over the next four to five months. Take a moment to do that. Now would you take a moment to pray for our leaders? Would you pray for President Trump, Vice President Pence, Speaker of the House Pelosi? Head of the Senate McConnell? Our Governor McMaster? Would you pray that God would give them wisdom would you pray that if they're not saved that God would show himself to them in his holiness his mercy and his grace would you pray that God would work through them to bring unity to our nation Father God, my heart is broken. I'm broken, Father, for things that I have done and said in the past that I I know were not honoring to you or did not show that I trusted in you. Lord, my heart is broken for where we are today. All of the the harmful, hurtful words that are being spoken. The division among our two political parties. The evil and wickedness that is reigning in people's lives. And Lord, the injustice that people face. Lord, please bring revival to us. Do a work in our lives. Give us, Lord, one more chance. Lord, I pray for President Trump, Vice President Pence. I pray for Speaker Pelosi and Senator McConnell, I pray for our Governor McMaster. I pray, Father, that you will give wisdom to each of them. I pray, Father, that any of them that do not know you, have not bent their knee to you, humble themselves before you, I pray, Father, they'll come to know you. Save them. 
do a work in their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.